the reason people didn't believe me when I was younger was not because they didn't know what asexuality was. Like, they were like, as a black girl, we don't get it. Like I was already pretty sexualized as soon as I hit puberty. So they were like, for you, it doesn't make sense. If it was somebody else, yeah. But like for you, visually, like we don't, we don't see asexuality for you. Like not with your body shape, like not with these characteristics. It was always boiled back to my appearance. So then when that started coming up again as an adult, I was like, oh, this again. On today's episode, I speak with model, writer, and activist Yasmin Benoit. Yasmin and I talk about intersectionality. No, not the buzzword or the academic concept, but about what it is to exist as humans in a world that expects us to be just one thing when all of us, every single one of us, is more than just one thing about how she doesn't want to make herself smaller, how none of us should ever have to make ourselves smaller to fit into tiny boxes that don't actually hold space for the complexity of intersectionality, of complicated identities, of the fact that none of us are a stereotype. This is a conversation that will hopefully help you feel seen whoever you are and whatever identity you have. To get us started, we don't like to define people. We let people define themselves and introduce themselves how they want to be known. So how do you want to introduce yourself? My name is Yasmin Benoit and I'm a model and a romantic, asexual activist, writer, speaker, and researcher. You do so many things. Yeah. <laughs> how did you get into the activism side of it? Like, was it your own experience where you felt like you weren't seeing enough people as activists? Like, how did you go from being the model doing pursuing that and saying actually i i want to start speaking out more as well well it was pretty much the reason you said i just felt like it was a little hypocritical of me to complain about there not being much black asexual representation that i was seeing when i had a platform and i was willingly not doing anything about it so i just thought i'll just mention this casually on my page i think it was around like national coming out day and like 2017 or something mm -hmm. but I didn't anticipate at the time that that was going to end up like snowballing and that activism was gonna kind of become such a big part of my life or that people would even care that much so yeah I didn't actually anticipate becoming an activist I just thought hey I'll just you know throw this out there to see if you know anyone can relate to the experience yeah. and then people really did relate to the experience a lot of people related to the experience and you talk about how as a black British woman, they're, like the queer space is often not as racially inclusive or diverse, and you didn't see as many people as yourself out there. When you were thinking about speaking out, were you talking to friends about it? Did you have other people who you turned to and you were like, how do I do this? Is this, like, what is it going to, you know, using my platform to become an activist? Like, were there friends or mentors or peers who were helping you navigate that, or were you just like, gotta figure it out on my own? I've entirely figured literally everything out on my own. Everything I've ever done is entirely me winging it. Um, I've had most of my friends and people in my personal life didn't even know mm. that I was doing it. Like I, a lot of people that didn't even, I wasn't even out that much in right. my personal life. I tried to, but it didn't really work because no one believed me. So yeah, it was very much like, hey, let's just see what happens. And then it was only after the activism started and it started getting a positive reception and then it was in the media and stuff then people kind of put two and two together and then they actually started to believe me and then everything kind of came into place but yeah everything has very much just been trial and error it also sounds really hard that people weren't believing you you were saying this is my reality and people were like yeah no yeah that was pretty much from the age of like 
14, 15 when I discovered the language until I was about 22, 23 before people actually accepted the answer. But I do feel like in some ways it was like a little beneficial because it meant that as a kid, I couldn't make that like my be all and end all. I think, yeah. you know, a lot of people, they, they get really hung up over like the labels yeah. and like trying to navigate that. Whereas I was like, I literally can't have one even if I wanted to. So I need to focus on all the other aspects of myself and like other fulfilling aspects of my life. And then we'll see about the whole label. But that came when I was like already an adult and doing other things. The power of labels is such an interesting thing. And I think I wanted to talk to you about because there's obviously so much power in naming things, right? And like having words because it's like, okay, this is what it's a definition right it's providing a definition and then it's also like i'm not alone because there are other people who share this definition and this like understanding that we can share with the world but also labels can be super reductive where it's like you're just one thing then or that's how the world sees you none of us are just one thing and how have you navigated that as you've owned the labels right and like become an activist not for the labels but for your identities how have you like navigated that i'm not just one thing i'm lots of things and i'm a person and a human and not just like the one label that people want to ascribe to me yeah i feel like that's been one of the weird parts i think because i had no choice but to spend so much of my life not being able to identify with a label and then since i started doing the activism now that's like one of the main things that people associate with me like they think hey yasmin the asexual one and that's what you talk about and that's what you are and that must be all you care about and that's like a huge part of your life and mm -hmm. it's kind of ironic because it never was because right. i literally wasn't <laughs> able to use the label and i didn't really identify yeah. with it and most of my formative years were spent without that it wasn't until i like literally finished my master's degree and was going out into work that I even started interacting with asexual people. So it's kind of strange now because that, that aspect of my identity has become so big, whereas it yeah. wasn't always like that significant to me. And now it's almost like people sort of use the whole, I guess, some people kind of use it as like a criticism. It's like, ah, oh, that's all you are. Like, that's all you care about. Like have other interests. Like this doesn't have to be your personality. And it's kind of ironic for me because I'm the first person to say, do not make this your personality. Yeah. It's not a big deal. Go outside, go do other things. It's <laughs> a part, I mean, it's a part of you, right? It's not like you spend your day just being like, I am asexual and aromantic. And like, I will not watch TV. I will not like go extra. Like you have things you do in your life. You are a person. And the ironic thing is when it comes to, you know, asexuality and aromanticism is that it's like the absence of something. It's like, I don't spend my days thinking about what I'm not feeling. <laughs> Right. or what I'm not doing um, so it's it's sort of weird in that sense because it doesn't like make me actively do anything different right but people do you feel like people impose that on you or is that you had to like help people redefine or had to redefine for yourself like okay this is like this is a part of who I am this is how I interact with other people or don't interact with other people in the world and that's it there's nothing more to it yeah because I think I've kind of noticed whenever, you know, I started doing work within the media or I start speaking to more people, I think there's such a heavy emphasis on like, how does that impact every single part of your life? They're like, oh, so you must feel like this. You must have had this experience. Like you're, 
this must have been caused by something in your childhood like this must impact your interest it must impact your relate like every single thing that people kind of bring back to that right. and i'm like it's literally just one aspect of your identity it's just like yep. one part of like the many facets but i think that um it's especially like nowadays in the way like the media is and everything needs to be so condensed and everything mm. has to be like a soundbite i think people kind of struggle to understand like being multifaceted and it's quite hard to articulate being multifaceted i find like i think that that's almost one of the main things that people find confusing about me is that there's always like oh but you can't be this and be this like you can't be asexual and also be a model and also do this and also do that it's strange how much that is like difficult for people it's also frustrating and ridiculous because we're all multifaceted right like nobody is just one thing and it's it's because like you have identities that are um not the not the heteronormative white identity and so it's like oh there's there's more to you in so many different ways like blowing people's minds i imagine as opposed to you're just a person like every other person and there are layers to you being a person yeah i think that the issue is just that there are like assumptions that kind of come with each of the kind of intersections that i have and that all of us have like there are assumptions that are going to come with being black there are assumptions yeah. that are going to come with being a woman there's assumptions that come with being asexual and being aromantic yeah. and for some reason all those things tend to like contradict each other i guess and so people <laughs> are literally like i'll get messages so it's just like you don't make sense Mm. your existence doesn't make sense everything you're doing doesn't make sense you can't be all these things at once and it's like literally i'm doing that right now so it must be possible that must be so exhausting as well just the i i guess as a model you and as an activist you have roles that you've taken on where you are being perceived constantly mm -hmm. and like the world is engaging with what you're saying and how you appear constantly and then people are also projecting their own assumptions onto you because of that like it's such a regular basis where it's how do you how do you navigate that like your own personal life where you are a person and you are yasmin you're not like all the labels like you are all the labels but you're yasmin as well right you're like you're a human how do you navigate that i feel like the only thing you can do is just like just do your own thing i'm like if you're going to be confused be confused i don't know what to tell you like i can't stop what i'm doing yeah. enough just because i'm like oh no well this i don't know bob in nebraska is not going to get it. it's like and who's bob it doesn't make a difference so yeah. my strategy is just to just keep doing all all the things and yeah. and it's funny because i think especially you know when it comes to asexuality a lot of the things haven't really been done before which i think is another reason why people are always like wait what yeah. like what are you doing like how so i mean for example like i'm opening new york pride this year i'm mm. one of the first asexual grand marshals and that's never happened before i started the uk's first asexual rights initiative that's never happened before became the first asexual person to win like an LGBTQ plus award, mm -hmm. you go to British magazine cover, like all these things. So every time one of those things happens, I think that the reaction is kind of more like, whoa. And like even more like, I don't understand like where is this yeah. coming from? It must be like the loneliness of being the first person, right? To, to, to be the first in so many spaces where you do have community, I imagine, where people are supporting you, but also you are like very public facing the first and constantly like encountering the world, starting to come to terms with the fact that you exist. Yeah which is a lot and also shouldn't be a thing that the world has to come to terms with. It's weird because I feel like the 
the strange part is just that there's no blueprint as such. Like when you were kind of asking earlier, like, oh, well, how did people tell you how it's going to go? Or this is how you do this. It's like, there's literally no one to tell me because no one's done it before. Yeah. So, and people are like, oh, so what happens next? Or yeah. where'd you go from here? Or how are you going to do this? I'm like, I don't know if it happens, it happens. <laughs> I just throw everything at the wall, see what sticks. Yeah. Um, because there's like, no, there's absolutely no rule book, which is kind of fun. But then also it's like, I don't, I, everyone's expecting me to do a thing and I don't actually know how you do that. So let's just see if it can happen. You get to figure it out, right? You get to write the rule book for yourself and it doesn't have to be, like we talk to a lot of people and I've talked to a lot of people on this podcast who are firsts in different ways. And there's like the pressure of, I am doing this for all the people who share all of my many intersections because I'm also a multifaceted human. And it's like, well, yes and no, right? Like we hold the door open for people behind us, but also we can't like represent everyone who shares any aspect of our identity because it would be actually humanly impossible. Mm-hmm. I guess it's also like, it's it's hard because it's, it's not like you have like your cause, I'm air quoting cause, like you're just you you want space to be a human and to to be seen and to be understood and to be perceived and treated equally which is like it's just existing in your in yourself it's not like a you have to change everything in the well you have to change a lot of things i guess but it's it's not like you have action points necessarily that you're going out and saying everyone rally behind this law change or i really kind of interpreted what people or how people perceived me as like hyperbole because you know on the internet everyone's always like yes queen oh my god this is iconic this is yeah. like, and i'm just like okay well it's not really so it's like, not actually a queen like you know i just kind of i just kind of saw yeah, it yeah. as people were just you know just hyping but yeah. like it's not actually it's like well they don't actually see me as yeah. that. like i'm not actually you know leading mm. a, a community or a cause or whatever and then i was like oh wait you actually do think that yeah and then i was like well then i need to do something impressive with this so i was like i wonder what laws do need to be changed or i wonder what um human rights issues there are and or Mm. what things aren't really being spoken about and then i was kind of like okay let's steer it in certain directions and make the most of yeah the attention yeah instead of just i don't know using it to keep taking selfies or something which is fun too but you know it doesn't mean that much into both (laughs) what are the what are the laws or the human rights issues that you are focusing on right now well, with the Asexual Rights Initiative that I started with Stonewall, we're trying to... Well, so asexuality isn't actually protected under the Equality Act because it isn't technically recognized as a sexual orientation. And it's also still medicalized in the International Classification of Diseases, as it was in the DSM in the US. So asexual people are 10% more likely to be offered or to undergo conversion therapy compared to other orientations but we're still left out of the bad on conversion therapy which our government is slacking on um, right. implementing anyway so we're producing a report into asexual discrimination in the uk so we can get some data out on that so hopefully that can start to set the gears in motion because there isn't a lot of research into it and that's kind of using the stuff i learned in my degree so i did get to yeah. you know apply that a little bit um so yeah, that's just kind of like one of the ways I've been like, okay, since we're, I'm gaining these connections and I have yeah. a platform and people are paying attention, so let's get them to pay attention to something important because it always just ends up being about, hey, you're asexual, but you're in your underwear. I don't understand. It's like, there's more important things we could be you know, talking about. <laughs> I mean, it's it's also like creating that systemic change, right? So that there is space for the, the younger Yasmins who come behind you and are treated as they should be under the eyes of the law, which is important, obviously. Um, I want to touch on something you said there, where I've 
I think it was in your um, interview with Jamila where you talked about this and you mentioned it again, where people, because you are a model, you get a lot of like feedback from people. <laughs> Feedback's a nice way to put it. <laughs> I don't, you can use whatever words you want to describe. You get a lot of tri- hate from the trolls is actually what it is. Um, and it, it's super, it was like super interesting for me that so much of it was like, the projection of people saying you shouldn't dress this way you shouldn't look this way you should not be like I was thinking about it as I was putting my red lipstick on and I was like I don't do that for anyone else I do that for me right like I do that to to feel a certain way um and it's fascinating that the what you were hearing the hate you were getting or you you still get maybe is entirely about like the way we appear is only about being sexualized which is ridiculous yeah, and I mean, it wasn't something that I really thought was going to be, like, a big deal. Like, when I started talking about asexuality, I really didn't think people would care that much about, like, the modeling side of it, or that that would be very contentious. I really thought that, like, as a society, we'd moved beyond the whole, oh, you must only be dressing like that to appeal to men. Like, I kind of thought that we'd, <laughs> you know, yeah. moved past that. And then I was like, oh, apparently we really haven't when it was like oh well you're wearing skinny jeans who's that for if you're asexual you're wearing eyeliner who's that for if you're asexual you did your hair like literally everything i did (laughs) so it wasn't even like oh well you're in your underwear you're doing this it just became literally everything and then i was like this is crazy how much we are still projecting this like you're every fiber of your being is to make men want to have sex with you and that's like your entire purpose of self-presentation it's really weird it it's it's also just like to it's surprising to some extent as you said because i thought we were past that that wave of whatever it was of thinking of like a, a woman only exists for the male gaze and in that sexualized gaze where it feels like it's part is it, is it like the most that you hear in terms of like the hate you get not that you have to quantify the kinds of hate you get but has it been the thing that like has surprised you the most of like oh people are still stuck in this I feel like it's probably like a good 65 to 70% of it is specifically about my outfits, which is like regardless of what I'm doing, like I did a debate at the Oxford Union like late last year, every single comment was about my appearance, (laughs) every single thing, and it's, yeah, it always tends to boil down to that, and then it's not just my appearance, then it's like, well, you're also black and not makes a difference because some of the comments it's not like oh it's your outfit it's oh well your features are inherently seductive and inappropriate like your lips are your eyes are and i'm like i i what am i supposed to do about that so it's yeah a lot of it does tend to boil down to that and strangely it's not even just men like i have women that say that like the kind of um turfy Mm. feminist types like they hate me that's like a big chunk of it comes from middle-aged women which is kind of disappointing it's so disappointing and like the idea that it goes i mean it's it's the same thing that we've been hearing all our lives i guess in different forms of like this happens to you because you were dressed this way this happens to you because you look this way and you're getting like the other side of it um because people will not stop doing it to women it doesn't really matter i guess what your sexuality is or where you fall on the spectrum it's like okay we are entitled to you in some way or to the way you dress and it has to like you are baiting society to to react to you or not 
And the thing is, is that like this has been like the bane of my existence since long before I was modeling. Like the reason people didn't believe me when I was younger was not because they didn't know what asexuality was. Like I went to secondary school during like the peak Tumblr era. Mm. It was an all girls school. It's pretty gay. So it wasn't like I was like it was something that people hadn't heard of. But yeah. they were like, as a black girl, we don't get it. Like I was already pretty sexualized as soon as I hit puberty. So they were like, for you. It doesn't make sense if it was somebody else yeah but like for you visually like we don't we don't see asexuality for you like not with your body shape like not with these characteristics it was always boiled back to my appearance so then when that started coming up again and then i was like oh this again well it's also ridiculous because it's about how they perceive you as opposed to what you know to be true about yourself Mm-hmm. where it's about them and not about you which is not how identity works at all like it's yeah it must have been really frustrating to like consistently get that pushback when you say this is who i am and people are like yeah no that's literally what the reaction just be like mm, no no but i can't be sexual oh no you're not and then i'm like okay I don't know where the conversation goes from here. Because <laughs> it's, it's like, I feel like we've, we've yeah. We've ended it. There's, there's nothing like, more to say. I'm not going to re-explain it so you can explain it back to me differently. And that's kind of like, you know, so I feel like that's just kind of what's led to my approach of just being like, okay, whatever. It's mm-hmm. like, you're not believing me. He's not going to change it. It's not going to change my behavior or change what I'm interested in or not interested in. So yeah. that's why my approach is just like, as scandalous as it is, I'm just going to do whatever. <laughs> it's not scandalous. It's like deeply human, right? Like that, of course, that's going to be your response because how else do you respond to a world that like refuses to see you? I mean, some people do like, you know, try. I've always been like quite a nonconformist, which I think is also worked in my favor. Like I listened to a lot of Green Day as a kid. I think that helps. <laughs> like, <laughs> like <Yeah>. honestly, <laughs> because like I never had any inclination to at least try and make myself more appealing and it really would have worked in my favor i think even for like the work i'm doing now i could like you know there are some things i can't change i can't make myself like less black like i can't get that target off my back but there are probably other aspects of myself that i could make a little less provocative and be a lot more palatable to a lot of people but it's like that's not real so i i get the like i get i i navigate this in my own ways in in my different intersections of like i get the need sometimes to be palatable but my response at least always is just like fuck you which isn't great (laughs) i know that like sometimes we have to be palatable to like get into the room right or have a seat at the table but also if you aren't being yourself then how can you advocate for yourself yeah and i feel like if i was to get a seat at the table while pretending then i feel like have i even got that seat or is it like fake Yasmin 2.0 that's got the, like, the seat. Once you're there, do you like, do you have to suddenly like change to be yourself and everyone is confused because they're like, wait, that wasn't what we thought you were. Like it's, it's a lot to navigate then if like you are constantly either trying to pass in a world where people don't see you or you're like trying to unmask yourself, which is a lot. I share a lot of my work on social media. I don't really like I mean, people use the term influencer, I don't really use that for myself, but it's like, I get why people think that because I'll do the work outside of the internet and then I'll share it on there. And I think that, you know, when you kind of add that added component, it's so easy for things to kind of veer into a very, like, everything has to be perfect and it feels kind of fake and it's only showing one side, but that's what I, even in that, I just try and like keep it at least as somewhat as real as possible while also being, you know, professional right just because it's like i don't 
I know I don't want to have to have a facade to do things. I think especially when you're doing things where it's like people are interested in who you are or they're inspired by who you are. I think that if you're if who they're looking at isn't real, then I feel like that's kind of when things become harmful. It's like a disservice to to everyone who's looking to you, right? Because you're putting up a, an image of a person. It's an image, which I guess it always is, but it's an image of a person who they can aspire to but isn't real, so. Yeah, I think that is, that's kind of when these things get complicated is when you're aspiring to something that's unattainable because it literally doesn't exist because yeah. it's fake and like a manufactured just to be appealing, so. Do you have people you look up to or look up to with like people who are navigating the space of like being activists and I don't want to use the word influencer either, but people who have influence? I feel like for me, and maybe this just came from like once I found myself in the spaces where I got to meet some people, I was like, you're not actually as impressive in real life. So what I've learned is that... <laughs> I love that. <laughs> like some people say, they seem super cool on social media. And you meet them, you're like, oh, you're not actually that nice. So what I've learned is that I'm more inspired by like moments rather than like the actual person because it's like, you don't need to be building some like parasocial thing where, mm. you know, you, you don't know the people really. Yeah. So I feel like it's more just like whenever I see people where like they're doing something that is counterproductive to them, but they keep doing it because it's the right thing to do. Like, I'm very inspired by things like that, where it's like, you're not necessarily profiting out of it. Right. It's not making your life easier. Like, you're coming up against backlash, but you're still persevering because it's helping people. Yeah. Like, just charity workers whose names, like, you don't even know, people that are just volunteering. Like, things like that is what I find really, like, inspiring because I'm like, if you can do that, then I can do this. Like, mm. it's kind of things like that, because I feel like when you kind of put it on specific individuals and you're like, yeah, I want to follow your lead, like I've learned, it's, hard. <laughs> it's not always the best way to, to do it because, you know, again, it's like you, what you're seeing and who they really are as people, like, it does, you don't know, especially yeah. in the instant, like, you really don't know. And then I, there's also the added layer, at least for me, of like, we all have so many intersections we exist at that it's like almost impossible to find someone who is well it is impossible to find someone who is exactly you right there's eight billion of us there's eight billion different lives on the planet and eight different eight billion different ways to live and so you're never going to find someone who like exactly is you mm-hmm. navigating spaces so you have to figure out your own blueprint always anyways so why not turn to like whoever inspires you and what they're doing as opposed to finding someone who you can like try and be yeah and i think that you know that was sort of what like kind of what spurred me into this in the first place i was like sitting around waiting for there to be some kind of amazing representation where i was like yeah this is totally me like i like everything this girl is saying is that i'm like that's never gonna happen so now i was like well now i am that like who's gonna represent me better than me so that was literally the that's really beautiful <laughs> i was like that makes perfect sense so I've kind of helped to build because I was like, it's not going to happen. Like, you're not going to. And also, I feel like you shouldn't have to, you know, spend your life like thinking this one person is going to be the this, this complete stranger right. is going to change my life and make me feel comfortable right. with myself and change my mentality and motivate me forever. And they're going to be flawless. And yep. so I've kind of just found myself relying on myself and being my own representation. And that's it's working. <laughs> I really love the idea that we are all our own representation because it. It, like obviously we all have to lean on each other and create space for everyone to exist but also no one else can like completely clear the path for us mm-hmm. and we all have to show up to do that which like gives us all some power as well yeah and i feel like that's kind of one of the 
sort of limitations of representation is that when there is something, it's kind of like everyone puts all their eggs in that basket, whether it's a character on a TV show yeah. or it's political or it's yeah. whatever it is. It's like it's, it's symbolic, but it's not really going to make the world of difference to you as an individual unless you can kind of, you know, find that piece of in yourself and have these other things going for you. It's something, this is going to be a very messy thought, so bear with me, but it's something <laughs> that I really wanted to talk to you specifically about because of your perspective with this of like, we sometimes conflate like identity with community, mm -hmm. right? Where like, here are the labels that I identify with. And so these are my communities, mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean that like, because you have a shared identity that like you're gonna like the same music right <laughs> or like you're gonna want to do the same things with your days or you will like you will have an aligned purpose or goal maybe but it's you still have to like be your own person and that's it's, like you're still a person at the end of the day and it's i find that hard sometimes where it's like my community isn't necessarily going to be the people who share my identities in every way yeah, and I've always found that one kind of awkward because it's it's true, but I feel like people don't expect it to be true, especially when, you know, you're in the line of work where you're expected to say something, like, really empowering at the end yeah. of every sentence and, like, really unifying when in reality it's, like, again, like, for me when I was younger, as I wasn't able to identify as asexual, I didn't really have that community and I didn't see myself represented in that community when I did come across it. It mm -hmm. was very much just, like pink-haired American like white teenagers and that yeah. felt like that was the ideal that was like the preference and that's who people related to yeah and even when I did start interacting with the asexual community in particular I was like okay look we do have this aspect in common but that's literally it yeah and to be honest like I've encountered a lot of racism within that community as well like a lot <laughs> so it's not even like oh well this is your safe space like these are your just like God, no, really not. Opposite effect. So, but then when I'm doing things, people are like, oh, well, do you have like, you know, asexual friends? And, you know, you could all sit around and talk about asexuality together. <laughs> Isn't that what you do every evening? Go home and talk about asexuality with your friends? <laughs> it's like, honestly, like I'm friends with people I vibe with and the chances yeah. are that the interests that connect us is not going to be the sex we're not interested in having. Like, that's not going to be the theme. It's going to be... You know what are you doing with your life or what are yeah. your thoughts on this it's also like i think it speaks to something that we have this expectation in society that like sexuality or romantic attraction remains like very central to how we build relationships and how we build connection and how we define ourselves in every way and how people perceive us as you were saying and you you're you're saying no right like that's also your experience and that isn't how the world should be built and that isn't the only way we should define ourselves because that's so limiting yeah and i think that you know as someone who i mean my, my sexual orientation is asexuality but it's also like the absence of <laughs> having yeah. a sexual orientation so i was like you know not only was i not able to identify with the label like literally but i also wasn't able to kind of build my identity around my sexual relationships or my romantic relationships or anything so it's literally like like sometimes people are like so what do you do like how do you like what do you talk about like who are you what are your relations like i don't understand you just sit around and do nothing all day it's like it's really sad that you that your life is right. so focused on this that you can't see that there's actually a lot of other stuff going on so i think it's quite beneficial for me because it's like i don't base my 
worth or any other aspect of myself in my life. I know it's centered around that, and I think yeah. a lot of people could probably do with doing that a bit more. I think it, what you're saying also says so much about the people who are saying that to you, right? <laughs> like of, our, of the fact that our world is so built around like romantic connection and sexual attraction being like the the top of the the tower almost and like the the high i'm air quoting again like the highest level of whatever and it it doesn't have to be and it like there's there are lots of different kinds of connections there's lots of ways in which we can relate to each other and no one has to like it's not a hierarchy like like one of the first things people often ask is oh so you must be lonely it's like i have friends don't you? <laughs> it's like if you're a romantic or sexual partner, you're only company. <laughs> like, you know, it's not like yeah. there are no other connections that you can have where it's like, oh, yeah. so like, well, what do you do? It's like, I just do other things. <laughs> There's so many other aspects to life, which I feel like I can kind of appreciate more. And I do think that other people, whether they're asexual or romantic or not, could probably do with unpacking that more, I think. Like I've met people that have like everything going on. They have great friends, they have a great job. And then they're like, oh, but I'm single. So what, like, what is life? And it's like, you don't see everything you have right now. <laughs> and you're mad about like this one thing. It's right. like, like, oh no, it's like literally you have so much love in your life and like so much like brilliance going on. That's all a reflection of how much you've achieved and how amazing you are. But you're like, oh, but nobody's dating me. And I feel like that's so sad whenever I see people like that. And people are like, oh, well, like sometimes people are quite sympathetic when they learn that you're asexual and aromantic as though like you'd be like afflicted with something. They're like, oh, that's too bad. It's like, no, it's not. It's good. It's great. <laughs> it, it feels like you have to almost like you're like a, I don't know the word, like a bellwether for like you get to see all of people's like stereotypes and like shit they're working through just by how they respond to you. Yeah. Because you're seeing what they prioritize or what they see as like the most important thing in the world or how they think our identities should be, whether it's like how you dress or what you look like or what relationships you have or how you spend your time. It's like every single piece of life is almost so deeply rooted in romantic relationships and sexual attraction. Like that's that's what it's it like boils down to in some ways yeah i mean and it's and it's funny because like people's reactions really do i feel like it sort of peels back an interesting layer of people like sometimes if i'm talking to like guys mm. like the second there it's like oh like i'm asexual so nothing's gonna happen here and then they're like ah so i can just talk to you like a person it's like you just see like this sort of like weight lift and they're like oh so we can just talk like if I'm not trying to, like, if I don't have to worry about, oh, does she think I'm attractive? Like, if I talk about this, you know, think I'm uncool and not want to date me. It's like, once that's out, sometimes people are like, oh, okay. So you can just connect, like, But, humans. like, shouldn't we be doing that anyway? <laughs> exactly. Oh. So, it's, and then sometimes other people are like, like, I don't know, all of their little things that they've thought about but, like, never really wanted to say, they're like, well, I don't really like sex ever. And, like, all of a sudden, all these little things, like, come out and, and then it becomes, like, therapy or something. Oh. And it's also, and it's kind of sweet because it's just like, I know, like some, like some reactions you get like aren't good, but yeah. some of them, like it does reveal a lot about people and what people's concerns are and like the impact that these ideals have, like not just on asexual people, but on everybody. Does it, does it get a lot for you where it like, a thing that I, I'm always curious about when talking to people like you for whom your activism is so tied to your identity and you have a big platform where 
some of the people I've interviewed for this podcast have talked about like I'm still me right I'm still a person and like I don't want everyone to just come to me and be like I have this one question about your identity <laughs> or like oh, I've just always wanted to like talk about x or I'll care about this thing because you posted about it but like I don't care about it. but I love your stuff so you know I'll like I'll sign that petition and it's like well no I'm still I'm still a person right and how like do you have to are you navigating that and if yes how do you navigate that of like I'm still a person and like I like Green Day and <laughs> I feel like it's I think I sort of sort of touched upon it earlier, you know, people kind of like, oh, so this must be because this is what I see you talking about. This must be all you care about. But it's kind of like if you saw somebody behind the counter at McDonald's, would you just assume that they love McDonald's and they want to just be there all the time? It's like, no, they work here. <laughs> it's not because of their deep passion for McDonald's. Like, right. They work here. But I do think that people kind of see that and they're like, oh, so this is like, this is all there is like this is your every waking thought like you have no other interests it's like no one's asking me about my crime science masters that never comes up <laughs> that was a lot of money <laughs> that I spent for that to never come up again tell us about your crime science masters <laughs> yeah, it's like oh situation crime like it's not interesting honestly but you wish it would come up every now and then especially since people sort of like or even like with the modeling people mm. are like okay so you're just probably kind of vapid and you probably you know <laughs> Like I've had people, so I'm like, oh, so you probably like, you know, you don't read, you know, you just want to look at your reflection. Like, I really do get that kind of stuff. People really tell them themselves, huh? <laughs> they really do, and they do it by accident. Like, it's it's wild. Like the. We all get it in different ways, but it sounds like you get so much of it from all directions because also you're so like public facing in your in your work and in your in both sides of your work, both as a model and as an activist, right? Where it's like constantly like, oh, this is like how you view like the work I do and people's identities and this is how you view like just people existing right like women's bodies women in in the world and the thing is like I'm such like, an optimistic person that I don't like you know approach people thinking oh this is gonna go badly or oh they're gonna think this and whenever something does happen I'm always like taken by surprise like I'll just be vibing with someone and like the modeling will come up and they'll be like I actually had someone say this to me once they were like oh god I can never do that I like my books too much what? And I was like, you're sitting that I can't read. You're <laughs> I can't read books and model at the same time. Like, I actually read a lot of books. I'm really into, like, 19th century Russian literature. Like, one of my favorite mm. things. <laughs> Never comes up. But, like, that's, like, if I had to do, like, a, like, I don't know, like, a quiz or something, like, yeah. that would be one of my subject areas. <laughs> like, I love that kind of stuff. And also, I feel like, especially online, I think... I don't know, people kind of, I think in activism, people expect you to just kind of be reacting to everything all the time. Mm. I think that's kind of a big part of what activism is, I guess. <laughs> Especially online, so I'll have people, like if anything goes down, anything asexuality, you'll be like, people like, Yasmin, you gonna do something about this? Yasmin, this person said this, what are you gonna do? You gonna argue with this journalist? You're like, no, no. I'm sitting here drinking a cup of tea. I don't, no, you, you argue with that one. <laughs> I just need to be me all the time. Like it's. It's strange. People were like, this thing came out. You're going to do something? You're going to talk? Like, you're going to watch it? You're going to talk about it? You're going to do it? I'm like, no. That's so no. much pressure as well. Because there's, <laughs> there's no way you could respond to everything. It's just like, there aren't enough hours in the day. And how could you know enough about everything that's happening to respond intelligently and thoughtfully and like still sleep at night and read your Russian literature and, you know, have a life and work your job? Yeah. It's like, I don't know. People always just want like a clap back. Like, they always want just like some little... And it's like, you know, that's not going to go well in my favor. It's like, I'm already going to target on my back as it is. You want me to pick a fight with some right-wing journalist? Like, I'm good. You do it. <laughs> I'm going to stay here. 
Do you feel like you have a target on your back when you're online? Yeah, I sort of learned that like, I remember like the first thing I did, I was doing a documentary with like Sky News, and it's not shaped Sky News, it was just the audience. And like it was me and some white asexual people and we're all saying the same thing, but the reaction to me when I said it was like completely different. Like for them, it would be like, oh, I don't understand this terminology. And then mm. for me, like literal course, I was like, I hope you get raped and deported. And I was like, oh, that's different to what they were getting. And that's what I kind of realized that yeah. like the response for me is not going to be the same. So that's why I'm like, I'm already in the firing line as it is. Like I can yeah. literally be doing nothing and something will happen over here and it will still come back to me even if it had nothing to do with me mm. and i'll be like why are people mad at me like i didn't like in fact i could give an example girl guides this was a whole thing it was like last year did a tweet saying happy asexual awareness week and somehow this rebounded on me because then people were like oh so you're teaching girl guides about asexuality oh when there's an asexual woman who's also a lingerie model oh so now she's talking to kids about sex let's go after her and then i was like and next thing you know i've got good morning britain calling me going do you want to debate the uh teaching kids about sex as a lingerie model and you're promoting lingerie to children i'm like what <laughs> i'm just minding my own business and you weren't involved with anything with girl guides or nothing i wasn't even a brownie i've done nothing i was like how did this come back to me it's wow i'm sorry that that keeps happening to you because it's it sounds like you have become the un unwitting spokesperson for asexuality every time someone on the right wants to question your humanity yes like for better or worse so that's why i'm like yeah you know like i like there are some things but also it's like you kind of i've learned you gotta have some boundaries before i'd always be like sure i'll react to show and then i was like this doesn't work actually no. <laughs> this isn't feasible in the long term for me to always be doing this how do you take care of yourself like how do you navigate that and has it changed for you as you've like progressed in your activism of like okay here is how like i set my boundaries or i i say yes or no to things or like how i like navigate online and offline life to just like take care of yourself i mean i block people now which i used to not do <laughs> i used wow. to be because i used to be like oh that's so final like mm. if i was to block them then they'll never see that you know i'm not that bad and i'll never be able to build a rapport uh, how will they learn if i just oh. press block so i'd always be like oh you're horrible but you can stay and that's kind of my approach to everything whereas now it's like mild annoyance gone <laughs> like slight irritation block or maybe i'll just restrict you if you're just a little annoying but you're on the list of a potential block mm. and i don't feel bad about that now whereas before i would just you know try and keep everything you know just try to be as accessible as possible whereas now i'm like actually i don't need to answer all the messages i don't need to do every single thing people ask me to do <laughs> yeah you don't have to like it's not all on you yeah and if they're especially with the haters right like so many of them are in it to hate as opposed mm -hmm. to actually learn and that's when i realized because i was kind of like oh like i have kind of felt like a good faith like assumption and i was yeah. like well maybe they are just confused maybe and then i was like oh no you're actually like some people like that's like a hobby for them like they just like to rile people up on the yeah. internet and it's like it's not constructive yeah. and maybe one in ten might be a genuine thing that will end well but it's like so i'm not going to argue with 10 people in the hopes that one person might get a lesson just google it so. yeah yeah it's a yeah that's that's very real just google it um 
take this uh, last question, not just Googling it, but we ask everyone this, and it's kind of a cheesy question, but this podcast is called Little Revolutions, right? The whole premise is that there's so much bigger than all of us that needs changing in the world, and there are people like you who are taking it on, but we all have power, we all have agency. And thinking about someone, a, a younger version of you, perhaps, who's trying to navigate the world, right? whatever intersections their identities are at and they're trying to figure out how to take up space how to use their voice how to exist in a world that isn't built for them how to navigate being perceived constantly and like people projecting their own ideas of what they should be and what little revolutions can they make to just like make the world a little better for themselves for each other for the world i feel like i mean maybe this is a more self-centered little revolution but i feel like just it's gonna sound really disney channel but like staying true <laughs> to who you are it sounds like the beginning of like a mm -hmm. camp rock song or something but it's like because i found that you know when you do kind of have a lot of intersections and especially you know when you're like a minority within a minority within a minority there is a lot of pressure to sort of like you know make yourself more palatable and you know, people told to, you know, make your name easier to pronounce, change your accent, <laughs> like, yeah. speak in a certain way, like, all these things, like, change your interests, do all yeah. this, do all that, just to, you know, make yourself, like, easier to understand. But the thing is, I feel like if you do that, then you're going to, maybe you'll get into a space, but you won't feel yeah. like you really did that. And I feel like, I mean, for me, I think I'm a pretty good example of somebody who like i feel like none of this was like the reason people find me so confusing is because like this wasn't meant for somebody like me and i still managed while not changing or yeah. bending to anything kind of have managed to do a lot of stuff whilst continuing to be as weird as i always was <laughs> like as a kid like i know my younger self would look at me now and be like yeah you did that while being exactly mm -hmm. who i would have wanted to be when I was little and so yeah I feel like my like tip would just be like stay weird <laughs> love that and that will work out like eventually people will get it and if everyone was to kind of make themselves you know fit a certain expectation then there would never be that representation because everyone would just always be doing the exact same thing like how's there ever going to be change if everyone's just trying to like dull themselves down all the time the world would be so boring if we were all the same right yeah thank you so much for listening and thank you to yasmin for this wonderful conversation check out our show notes for more about yasmin and where you can follow her